0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Tent Times with Tim. You know I'm a sound guy, I like to take field recordings and stuff, so I wanted to find the coolest sounds possible on the 101 on the Oregon coast. I found a place and I thought it was too good to be true when I was doing the research online, but it has delivered and more. So where are we right now? We are just off of the 101 at the Barview Jetty County Campground. You know I love a good jetty. Jetties can be dangerous though because if you're in a boat you have to know where there's jetties. And a lot of the time in the Pacific Northwest on the coast you know it gets misty, sometimes it's cloudy, sometimes it's rainy, sometimes it's sunny and beautiful. But what? Foggy. So foggy is the technical term for why these lighthouses with the foghorns mostly exist and it's when it's foggy you don't know where there's jetties. And that's where there could be rocks. So they have fog horns. And what's really cool about the Bar View Jetty Campground? See, I didn't. I, when I was doing my research, I didn't hear anything, I didn't see anything mentioning dogs barking. I'm trying to do a, 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 a vlog. Could you put your dog down? Um. So it's so cool when you don't have dogs barking and and people playing their goddamn ukuleles the next side over. What's really cool is this foghorn actually goes off every 28 seconds. 28 seconds is less than half of a minute. So wait, that means sometimes you don't get two foghorn blasts a minute. You get three. So I did some math and it turns out that every 15 minutes you get three foghorn blasts in one minute, all through the night. So yeah, I recommend it highly. Check out Barview Jetty. Okay. <laughs> all right, it is that time again to check the patchworks.com used in vintage section. Oh, we got a digitone here. That looks like a lot of fun. Is there anything cool and new that we haven't seen? SSF, stereo dipole filter. That is an amazing piece of kit there. All sorts of cool stuff. Uh, Matrix Brute, that's a super powerful synth. Ooh, another SSF, Autodyne compressor. That is on my list. Oh, the Octopad is still there. It's dropped down to $400. Oh my gosh. Oh, what else do we got? Ooh, Oberheim OB-8. Oh, the keytar's still there. I know a lot of you out there are just dying for a, uh, a kitar, Look at this, a Metron. I just was looking at this the other day when I was in there. These are hard to come by, so that's a really, really, really cool uh, gate sequencer. But let's just check out the Eurorack page. Oh, an Expert Sleepers ES9. I just got myself one of those. There's a new Raya Media uh, harmonic looper, the Taurus. I really, really like Raya's stuff. That that sounds and seems very cool. I'm really, really considering picking up this uh, Buchla Tip Top Quad Low Pass Gate. I wanna try it out first, but that is also on the list. Of course, you know, I love all the new mess stuff. I picked this module up from Patchworks uh, probably three or four months ago, the Tip Top Audio Buchla Source of Uncertainty. And um, I love this module. It is so cool. It is such a powerhouse for CV. Yeah, I can't go through all of these modules. But before I leave this segment of the show, I also want to let you know that there is a Halloween sale. So if you use the discount code SPOOKY10 at checkout, you will receive 10% off of your purchase at patchworks.com. P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. This week we have Sweeping Promises on the show. Sweeping Promises is one of my current favorite bands and if you've been listening to the show long enough you know that when I go on uh, my yearly anniversary road trip with my wife Hannah I always make a playlist full of music that we don't know and uh, in the hopes of finding some cool stuff and also if you cementing the memory with a sound. So when we listen to that music in the future, it makes us all nostalgic and stuff. And Sweeping Promises was that band for this most recent trip. So I reached out and asked them to come on the show and I can't wait for y'all to get to know them and check out their music if you haven't already. But before we get into that, burr, it's cold outside. My hands are like really cold, um, you know? seasons are a changing or as tom petty once said the leaves they are a change i think that's right but yeah we're gonna get into that chat soon but first some quick business um oh what's this what's what's this behind me on the screen the podular modcast store i haven't added any new items recently but we've got these cool beanies um all sorts of really fun stuff tie-dye beanies you know best um the Podular mod logo that john herndon of tortoise did uh on a sweatshirt another hoodie with the pod mod logo, some five panel caps i look dumb in those but you know if, if they work well for your head shape then i highly suggest them i really like this shirt um all sorts of colors some pod mod mugs some cups you know just a bunch of stuff stickers notebooks pins So yeah, if you would like to support Podular Modcast, go ahead and head over to PodularModcast.com. I'd also like to say thank you to everybody who supports Podular Modcast on Patreon. If you would like to support the show, head over to Patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. I just shared some super secret information on the Patreon page. So if you are a patron, go check that out. Um, And if you would like to get in on that secret information and future giveaways, which I'm going to be doing very soon. Uh, that will be uh, cassette tapes. I even made some of my own mixtapes my own music, so I think I have eight of those or something. Uh, some patch cables, all sorts of fun stuff. Once again, that's patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. And finally, before we get into this episode, I just want to share some cool sounds that I have made so far with the Qubit Mojave. It is a super fun granular module that has a lot of really unique uh, features that I I have not seen on other granular modules. And one of my favorite things about it is it's really good with feeding percussive stuff into it with the right settings and creating all sorts of really cool granular glitchy beats. Um, So yeah, let's check out some sounds of me running my Roland V-Drum through the, uh, the Qubit Mojave, and then we'll get into this chat. I had just packed up all of my film equipment, but I had to set back up again because my wife made a really astute observation. She said, I think it's happening more often than every 28 seconds. And I thought to myself, no. The internet wouldn't lie. So I got the old stopwatch out. Turns out it's every 15 seconds so remember earlier in the video when i said i thought it was too good to be true well what's the opposite of that four times a minute we were only going to stay here for one night but i think uh i think we might have to i have to shuffle things around Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Caulfield and Lyra, right? I'm pronouncing yes. both. Those you guys have cool names. I'm my name's Tim Held. And my last name is a past tense verb and kind of a boring one. So, I always, you know, have a little bit of uh, I wouldn't call it jealousy now cuz I'm almost 40, but I'll I'll call it like, you know, vicarious living when I when I meet people with names that I think are cooler than Tim. So, yeah. And now I put you in the awkward position of having to respond to something that was really lacking any substance at all. So <laughs> um, it is an
1: honor to be held by you in this hey, forum.
0: Hey, and nice. I like that. See, now some that was just what I needed. Somebody to like, you know, turn my perspective, you know, I'm looking off the mountain this way, but you're like, Hey, there's something that way too. Um, so Lira, I know that you and I chatted on Instagram about this and I'm not sure, uh, Caulfield, if you know, but I'm just going to set this up for the guests. Um, me and my wife went on our annual, um, road trip anniversary. So we always take a road trip somewhere in camp for about a week and just try to go to cool places within, you know, nine, 10 hours of, uh, Tacoma, Washington. Uh, So, and when we do this, I always spend about a week or two before building a playlist full of music that we are not familiar with because I've always, you know, I found out at an early age that music has this power of being able to be sort of a time capsule. And I like to have this time capsule effect with the road trip. So we get into this new music, we start finding new stuff, and then now, you know, you know, certain albums will always give me that feeling that I had from that time. And this, this year we did a post-punk, um, list and every time a song came on where I was like, Oh, this is good. Let me see who this is. Nine times out of 10, it was you guys. Um, so I got to the point where I just added both of your albums. Like I didn't even try to find the songs cause I just had a handful of songs from the albums and I just added both the albums to the playlist and, um, yeah, it's. I, I am. I know that I'm interviewing you, and I am rambling on and on. But I'm going to tie a bow on this. Um, and I think what I'm so drawn to you guys, like what draws me in so much, is I feel like with a lot of, especially with rock pop music, there, there's not a lot of new ground to cover. I feel like that you know, like it's not that it's limited, but you know, like it's a it's a genre, and there's there's um, you know. Characteristics of it. And what I'm really what I found out recently that I really like is finding people who can take the good parts of all the, you know, all this pre-existing kind of genre music and put their own voice on it and make it new and fresh somehow. And I feel like both of the Sweeping Promises albums are that. And they are front-to-back bangers. Like another thing I really love about them is. Every time I listen, I have a new favorite song. I'm like, oh, you got to check this song out when I'm telling my friends. And then I'll like, the next day I'll be like, okay, I told you to listen to that one. But if you haven't, maybe start with this one. And it's <laughs> it's always switching around. So again, I put you in an awkward spot where I haven't asked you a question. And I've just, you know, like, um, but I guess I want to say thanks. Um, For all of that. That's my big way of saying thank you. And sweeping promises will always remind me of our trip down the 101. And I think that was our it was our best trip yet. And one of my favorite vacations of all time. So y'all are going to be forever and intertwined with that. So that's I love that aspect of music. So again, thanks
2: for that. Thank you for um, telling us that story.
1: It's so beautiful and um just really means a lot to us that we were able to play a small part in um you know the celebration of this you know love and uh, this adventure that you went on and this tradition that you have. <laughs> and um yeah, we're really happy to be linked to to such a beautiful memory.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's it's and and I love you know say what you will about Today's world of of uh, you know like Instagram, social media, and everything. But the one really cool thing about it is, I can just send you a message. You know, I'm I'm about to eat at a diner, our first meal out on this trip, and I can send you this message. And by the time we get into the car after the meal, I'm like, oh, they responded, and it's just yeah, it's just like kind of a cool way to have a connection. Um, So. There are a lot of uh, directions I kind of wanted to take today, but I kind of want to just start with um, where maybe just each of you kind of take a few minutes to say where you're from, um, where you grew up, and uh, what was like, not not the music that made you want to be a musician, but do you remember the first artist or piece of music that got into your young mind and made you realize that music was was the jam, you know,
2: the business. Um I started gigging um and recording quite heavily when I was 13. Oh nice. And uh I lived in Austin, Texas. So it was sort of a different time. It was a little uh-huh. more permissive. And um I was booking shows. I, I don't I don't even but I look back at clubs and stuff and I was fine. Like uh, ha- yeah. we did it all the time. I I was in uh, You're such
1: a go getter. Four
2: bands or something <laughs> in wow. in high school, and I um I didn't work a part time job. Um I made money from the clubs for like uh, Taco Bell. <laughs> and- oh, wow, <laughs> that was that was my life, and um. <laughs>
1: Need to make enough money at this gig tonight to get a Crunch Wrap. Oh yeah, and hell was, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: Uh, but that's really what it was all for—is like this sort of Ouroboros of life of just yeah. like playing a show for a Crunch Wrap. But um, <laughs> uh, it was during the super shiny, happy, fun times of Audis Austin DIY, where the music was super exuberant and maximal, and there were primitive electronics. Uh-huh. Um, I twee was a very big thing Mm -hmm. um and uh i was kind of as as a teenager i was uh wanted to be a part of that indie pop show uh that that kind of um that time that i've never really seen again of just people living in houses very very cheaply Mm -hmm. and um, making sort of like Plastic happy music. I, I was had a Animal yeah. collective. I was yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. Like that kind I of think stuff.
0: Around this time, I was living in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I was actually going to grad school and I quickly just made friends with the music scene and started spending more time there. But yeah, it's totally what you described. You know, we were, we were recording, you know, there's a house with my bandmates that. Had another the, all their roommates had other bands, so there was multiple practice spaces in one house, and you'd have to like coordinate when your practices were and all that. So, yeah, it was a it was yeah. a really fun time.
2: Can I like I, I told this story actually at a show once. Uh, I just grew up this way. Uh-huh. A lot of my friends lived in houses together in for bands, and their rent, you know, it'd be like three to four people to, to a house, and they would they would pay about a hundred dollars uh-huh. a month, yeah, in rent. And they, you know, work like they'd have a part-time job, uh-huh, yep, ten hours a week or less, and it was more sustainable than life now. Like, uh, totally. you know, you just totally. you just gig uh, once or twice a month, and um, yeah, you have like a studio in, in your house. And I I knew quite a few people who live that life.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so cool.
2: Yeah, I think cool, the, but,
0: a yeah, lot of like I, I, the Midwest I, towns in like Austin and some of the, you know, Athens and stuff like that, they all, ha- I think, you know, if you're in one of those towns with a cool like indie scene, there was always like at least some house shows you could play in a small community that you could kind of like coalesce,
2: uh, that could coalesce around your interests, interests and whatnot. But I I thought, you know, when I, when I turn 18, I'm just going to do that because it, <laughs> it was so it was so pervasive. Mm-hmm. I ended up going to college instead. But um uh, and then that's where I met Lyra. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. Cool. So Lyra, let's what what was your what was your version of that
2: story?
1: <laughs> well, um I so I feel like my first memories of music were um listening to ABBA and um Lata Mangeshkar on cassette tape because my mom had like a very eclectic uh, cassette collection. and so I just remember like my earliest memories of listening to music are just like all her tapes of like, I don't know, like soft rock or 70s, you know folk or whatever, like you know, Indian classical music um, in a tiny little boom box by her bed. Um, and she would play them for me at night before it was bedtime. And so uh, there was just always just various forms of pop music playing throughout the household. Can I interrupt
0: Um, you for one second? I just something just fell into mind. And it's actually a question I was gonna ask later, but I don't want to forget now this all makes sense, especially ABBA, you know, and this this like eclectic mix of of pop music and right before bed, because you know, like that's you know, you go to bed and then your brain's kind of reworking all that stuff. And now I don't think I need to ask, how is it that y'all are so good at writing poppy? vocal hooks like even your verses are like chorus like catchy and but like in such a tasteful way so i I think i think i get it now sorry to interrupt but yeah
1: (laughs) it's it's all the abba yeah yeah i mean come on right yeah uh oh my gosh so much abbas like like my mom would like sing uh, that song, Chiquitita, but you know, like <laughs> not know all the Spanish or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and singing like, sing it in her like mangled, like, you know, Bengali accent, uh, which is really funny. Uh, cause if you, if you know my mom, you know that she's always singing. Uh-huh. <laughs> she is, on to, when she's not talking your ear off, she's singing at you. Now so, did you get uh, that
0: from her? Are you like, if you're by yourself doing house chores or something, cause that's how I am. I'm my wife has to be like, Hey, all right let's cool it. Maybe, can you sing a different song? I'll sing the same like verse to chorus for like an hour and I'm like, I'm practicing.
1: (laughs) Were you? Did you, did you sing growing up? Like, were you in choirs or anything?
0: No, I was never trained, but well, this is a, this is kind of a funny story, but my dad, my dad's dream when he was a kid was to be a singing soccer player. So take that, Um, and he never learned an instrument. But um, when I was in early grade school, like when big laser disc karaoke, like the record size laser disc karaoke, so he bought a karaoke machine, and he he did what he called dinner shows, um, where they would charge like a cover at this little place in Roslyn, Washington, this tiny town in Washington, and he would have a set list of karaoke songs that he'd sing, and so like that kind of expanded into. Doing like parties with karaoke and then also like wedding DJing stuff. Uh, So, we had a karaoke machine in the basement of my house, and my parents were always like having parties. So, I grew up singing karaoke. There was, he did this thing called kids karaoke where he tried to get like kids to come in and do it, and no kids from the community did it. So, he would make me do it. And so, yeah, he'd make me. Well, I mean, it was my jam at the time. But Hank Williams Senior, I got a "Love Sick Blues" was my was like my first like real karaoke jam. And then I sang in bands, you know, through high school and um, all through college. But then I like started to hate my lyrics and my and what I couldn't do with my voice. I I hold lyrics very high on a pedestal, so I started just doing like weird experimental electronic and that's where I'm at now. But I sing a lot, just not in anything that I release.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you sing. I feel like people sing. It's the like, as,
0: as far as like what music does, like playing guitar playing drums, um, I, you know, it's that visceral, that's that connection. That's that you get lost in it. You become the task type thing. Um, singing is just so much more powerful. I can, you know, if I'm singing along to a song with beautiful lyrics, like I can, my voice will crack because I'll feel like I'm about to cry because I'm just, my body is tingling with the emotion of the song. And that's like one of my favorite feelings in the entire world. And yeah, I just got to a point where I'm like, I don't, this is for me, I don't necessarily need to do any I don't need to release this. Like, I don't need, like, I don't need the, the validation from outside. Like this is just something I really enjoy doing. So. Yeah. Yeah. I Sorry. Like I feel like I've that, talked that, way I more. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, come on. That's what, I mean, there, there's a part of all of us and everybody listening right now, like we get into art, not, I feel like not just for self-expression. I think we get to realize that later and hopefully, you know, understand that that's the most rewarding part. But I think as youngsters, you're, you're doing it because, you know, you want to be cool. You want the, you know, you want people to like you, you want romantic partners to like you and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, no shame there. Well, maybe shame, but we all have the shame. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it's more going back to your point of being able to have this like kind of field of communication. Like, I don't know. I'm really, we're both really grateful for music to be able to put us in touch with other, you know, sympathetic souls who mm-hmm. are, you know, Oceans away, or like states away, or you know, continents away. So, yeah, we're pretty grateful.
0: Yeah, sorry. I so okay. So, growing up, listening to ABBA, your mom's singing all the time,
1: singing all the time. Where do we go from there? I'm singing all the time. So, I start singing in choirs when I um, am in third grade. And so, we lived, so I grew up in Arkansas. Um, and uh, My mom worked at um, the University of Arkansas uh, in the library, just like college library. So um, they started this really novel uh, program for kids of, um, you know, anybody affiliated with the university as kind of like an after school initiative. And it was a children's choir. And so through that, you know, I got like some, you know, after school socialization. I was able to, you know, work on something that I, you know, just really intuitively took to that came kind of naturally to me that was, it just felt automatic. And so, and that was singing. And so being able at an early age to be part of a music program like this uh, was huge. And we got to, you know, compete in regional competitions. And we did this thing every Christmas where we would, you know, go caroling in the town square, which would be all lit up. And it was just so gorgeous and idyllic. And, you know, it's just, there are Christmas lights everywhere and horse-drawn carriages and hot chocolate. Nice. And so I just have these like very um, like tightly held memories of those experiences of just being with other kids and you know, lifting our voices up in song in unison. It was really beautiful. That's so and cool. then of course, as I got older and I started listening to like cooler music or getting into capital M music. I was Yeah, what a, were the some I of was... the
0: first ones that, like, what were the cool ones that started breaking you away from the choir kind of realm of music? Like, what were some of the early, like, and they can, they can it'll be funnier to me if they aren't actually cool. But,
2: like, what was Lyra cool? Had, she was a, like, a cool prodigy. Mm. Was a kid, and she's going to try to downplay it. But I, I met Lyra when I was 19. And okay. we actually did a mixtape swap. It was like yeah crazy
1: well because i thought caulfield was super cool we keep talking about how we wish we'd known each other in high school to see if we would have started um a band together Mm -hmm. sooner because i was um like such a nerd i was i was such a geek and so i really wanted to be in a band and and play in bands but no one would take me uh i just didn't know how to access that Um, were
0: you playing bass at that time
1: <clears throat> no no okay i i had like a shitty like guitar center learners acoustic <laughs> that i, I think those, out.
0: okay because i learned on my mom had a guitar um as a kid and never learned to play it and so it just sat in our house and then at like 11 i got it out and the action was high and the strings were old it was just like a poorly set up guitar and that's what i learned on and i think it actually influenced my playing style a whole lot. Like, mm-hmm. I I think I just you know the, there were certain because of the effort that it took to actually make chords on this and and hold all the strings down without dampening all the other ones. Like, I think it it made my technique a lot better because it was a shitty guitar. So, yeah. But, but you didn't really play it much.
1: I um, no, not at all. No, I took okay. I took um, piano lessons kind of sporadically throughout childhood, and I had a. A really cheap like Yamaha keyboard that I would try to like write on, but mm-hmm. I, there was just a I don't know a block between having ideas and executing them. And
0: I totally um, get that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still working with that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it, it is. It's like a lifelong challenge. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. But yeah, let's see. Like, well, you know, one of the earliest cool bands that I was introduced to that I had no idea who they were until later in life was Craftwork. And this came about in a really roundabout way. So um, my mom, again, like working in uh, at at the U of A, she would oftentimes like babysit for um, uh, for other like, you know, grad students or professors who had kids. And so there was this British couple who um, she babysat for and they had this Kraftwerk cassette and it had the song Pocket Calculator on it. Mm-hmm. and so i was just like I'm the, i would like just be reciting the like i'm an operator with my pocket calculator yeah, over
0: and over yeah. and like, <laughs> uh-huh. no
1: content other than this is a funny song about a calculator <laughs> and then later on i was like oh that's that's them
0: yeah yeah autobahn was the one for me that really like cracked my head open that was yeah oh really yeah that one um which is funny you bring craftwork up on caulfield i just really quick wanted to ask you like I'm sure you're into like all sorts of experimental or, you know, like kind of more obscure music. And the reason I'm, so this is kind of the part of the reason I wanted to talk to y'all is because I kind of through your production and the way that you just present your tracks, like I can tell I, I I knew that. And that's, that to (laughs) me is really, that's fucking amazing. And you guys do it really subtly too. So like, Yeah. Well, let's not, I want to, I want Lear to be able to finish her story, but like, that's, that was one of the things that I'm also so excited about with your guys.
1: Let's get, I mean, we should get into it. That's really the more, that's more interesting than me being like, I like Joy Division. I'm 13.
2: (laughs) Can I just say on our first like mixtape exchange or whatever, (laughs) we we, we met in a small town in Arkansas. You got to understand. Like, yeah. um, Yeah.
1: Like population, like, what
2: 40,000 yeah it is kind of
0: my Yeah, finding like, cool music especially at this time probably you know 50, 10 years ago 15 years ago or something 15,
1: like yeah yeah it, yeah it wasn't yeah, the yeah, world yeah. that
2: we have now to where
1: no you know
2: that's true um it is the the dark force of the internet were kind of not as there right mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. um it really indicated something when people were into kind of deeper stuff that they especially when they are like in a sort of record store desert or something. Yeah. Like it, it totally. really means, yes. Means something that this person's a digger. But I remember like Lyra was like, like, have you heard of DNA? And I remember like right before going to college, getting really into no wave and be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Love this. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh
1: yeah. We bonded over like no wave. And, <laughs> um, I love well, that. Cause like you introduced me to, to broadcast, which has become oh, like yeah. a touchstone again that, within like you know the yes. synthesis world yeah. but then also like just exquisite pop you know m- songwriting one of the best shit. yeah yeah
2: one of the Ab- best and, and that sound studio oh
1: my god yes oh, yes yeah
2: we just made our own little dyad and we just kind of attached to each other and, and made a sort of world of shared references that- yeah <laughs> it's a a sense. That but we it,
1: continue to build on
2: but yeah yeah about the production I'm, I'm glad that you like it uh for better or for worse I'm glad that you're not on Reddit being like another album you know ruined by Caulfield yeah, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well I
0: was gonna ask how much like of a hand like it, it's. I get the sense that uh you guys like are, are are the producers or work like very closely with a producer and and have like most you know all of the say and and and, and whatnot like that's the sense i get
1: it's oh, yeah. it's it's yeah just the two of us that's okay. so cool yeah start and to
0: yeah i mean so this is i'm one of the one of the crazy people that um as far as like the the product like the producing of an album like making writing everything my favorite aspect of the whole thing is actually mixing what i've actually because uh, writing the hard part mixing is where i get to really have the fun and 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 make so yeah. I, I, I I wouldn't, I've had other people mix my music and it's been, and it's been good and everything, but like, I just, I, I really need to have that, that control, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's cool to hear that. And I, so I want to say like, because I mean, you guys are like, I think the sweeping promises project cause I know you guys have a bunch of other projects. Pardon me. My coffee's giving me hiccups. Um, there's a, you know, there's obviously a garage element, the post-punk element. So it's like, for me, it's like garage post-punk pop rock kind of mashed into one. And I think at first listen, you could say like, oh yeah, this is like recorded like a garage rock album, but that's not the feel that I get from your production. It is similar. It's within the same, maybe family tree. But like I said, I, I feel like I hear experimental like I don't know the track but I swear there's one track where you have the entire track sat, like with with like sidechain compressed by the kick and just ever so slightly am I right about that is there one that just kind of slightly flexes impulses on the new record I think uh, you maybe, maybe not have done that but I
2: don't sidechain uh... okay. but yeah <laughs> I, there was will... something going on there yeah. Uh, uh, well, actually, I guess technically maybe you could call that side chaining when you put the whole mix through a compression, mm-hmm. and then it's sort of mixed in. That's technically mm-hmm. a side chain, so it could kind of have like a, a pulsing type of feel. But I'm um, I'm usually not a big fan of that technique. Yeah. No. And that's
0: I totally get that. And like like I said, I I wasn't even sure if that's what I was hearing because of what because what you do is so subtle because that's that's like usually what I'm listening to after I get into it like I can tell generally if I like the production style but if I really start to hone in on like liking the songs and the production together then I start like switching my brain into like what are they doing here um and yeah I just I felt like there was something I couldn't figure out but that was my best guess but i I wasn't even confident that that's what it was but yeah, there's just this like griminess and almost like it's almost like there's a distance to it. Like it sounds like the music's far away, but it's also punching you in the face at times. Like, I don't know. It's I just love it. Um
2: it that that the new album was recorded in our new studio, which is very reverberant. And okay. um and we wanted to use really reverberant spaces. We actually went on the search to find I, perfect space. I like a uh, and I like I like a type of reverb that's sort of defamiliarizing. And mm-hmm. I like a non-exultant reverb, if that makes sense, for like a reverb that doesn't make things sound like
1: cathedrally.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like like a shrine that's like like yeah, a, especially now a monumental like, reverb or something. Like, like, like
1: literally vaulted. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I, yeah, I, I like, totally. I like a type of ambience that sort of renders something um I don't know, like weird or something. Like now, yeah, but, yeah. Like you're I gotta, not
1: supposed to be there.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Um, well, this is a super nerdy technical question, but do have you like done any stuff where like taking impulse response from places where you really like the the reverb, and then like up apl- like making your own reverbs in in like I don't DAWs know. or something? <laughs> never, I've never done I, it either, I but I know a that lot worked. of work.
2: I've yeah. never been convinced that that is a thing that is transferable and mappable. Um, I've never done I it, but I know people really like them. to be convinced. Um, I've, I've, um, I, to be, to be fair, I haven't really tried myself. I've been um, party to sessions that have tried. Uh uh-huh, um, uh-huh. I, uh, I will say we're humongous fans of reamping, and that is all yes. over all of our music ever. So, like, um we'll take a mix and then put a speaker in a bathroom or we'll put a speaker in a big room and then oh put a microphone God. 30 feet away and then mix it into the mix oh, we'll do that dude. three times like alvin lucier uh who's like one of my favorites which is like the old way of doing impulse responses if you like the yeah, sound of a room totally. you put a speaker in it uh-huh. and, you, and you and you put your microphone somewhere 20 feet away or 10 feet away where it sounds good with your original mix that's if if you like sidechain compression, I would recommend doing that, like sidechain yeah. audience
0: That's so that's so funny because I I'm like planning on doing that. Like I don't know if you see behind me, but I've got a little Roland V drum kit, which it's got the old brain. Like I have spent the last year, I played drums in high school, had to sell my drum kit, and then didn't have a drum kit until a year ago when I got this, and. I've just been playing relentlessly and it's taken me a year to find like, to mix all the voices on there, like to a point where it doesn't just sound so cheesy, but it still sounds a little cheesy. Um, and I don't really like to work with MIDI too much. I know I probably should, but, um, but my idea here is, cause I want to make like, I almost wanted to take like sweeping promises kind of my, 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 the idea in my head has been like deer hoof, sun. Mount Erie and Bill Callahan. Like I want to like try to see if I can mix all those together and do something. And so making these.
2: Yeah, if I can pull
0: it off, it'll be awesome. But those are pretty big, those are all very big shoes to fill. But like my own take on all of that. But so yeah, I want to, I wanna do like I've got a pretty decent uh like uh tube amp, and I want to like do a lot of reamping. And I was thinking of finding like I wanna find like weird like pedestrian tunnels that are really long and just like try a bunch of weird shit and do exactly what you said like mix that reamp in with the original and i'm even thinking i don't know if it'll work but like enveloping the volumes of each but so subtly that you can't really tell when one is more prominent than the other but that could just be confusing and phasing could be an issue but that's kind of where my head's
2: at oh it's good I do that all the time. i um, nice. I'll mix and reamps as like with like different song sections. And stuff. Oh, nice! Like how okay. you would mix like a master compressor or something. Right, right. Uh, That's so cool. Um, yeah, I, I like it. Um, uh, our first album we sort of it was recorded in a somewhat illicit space. It was like a laboratory, and I, I think a lot about the impulse response thing and like the idea of digital reverb and be able to like model your own room. At a time when musicians can't afford real estate, you know, like, mm. like I, I think about that all the time. Like, like in the '70s, musicians had access to caverns, and now I believe we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I when I when I go through that debate in my head or that thought process, I I, I conclude that we need to break into more spaces and we need <laughs> to uh, cause noise pollution. And I, so I think you should go into a tunnel that you, or like a parking garage or something that you don't belong in for your reamping, because um, it, it just it's just right. It's just karma. Sweeping mm-hmm.
1: promises says become ungovernable.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: Um, I just had another question. Then okay, so um, so you all are tracking yourselves, mixing yourself. So like, do you have like mixed sessions? once things are tracked and then like, just like hang out in the studio. And then, you know, like, is it an over the shoulder lyric for you? Is it like kind of hanging out? Cause what I did when I was learning how to mix, when I was in a band with my my friend, he was the guy who did everything. I just kind of spaced behind him and said, what if we tried this? And I didn't have the vocabulary at the time, but I built it because our conversation like taught me how to do it, but like, is there any, is that like, how do you guys approach the mixing process?
1: That's, that's pretty much it. I think it's mm-hmm. it's like 95% Caulfield and then like I have some input. I I guess I sat I sat next to you, but you do like all the preliminary because Caulfield, like he'll even like pre-mix stuff as we're recording just to get thing. things sort of, yep. <clears throat> yeah, like a, a base level. And then he'll just go in and, and zero in um, on, you know, every single track. And there's usually like anywhere between like, 15 and 40 tracks depending Mm on how frisky I was feeling on vocals that day (laughs) um and um yeah and he'll just like kind of fine tune all of that and then he'll like pull me aside and be like hey maybe check out I don't know the synth the bass synth on this track or like oh you know see how your voice feels on this and then maybe like do some fine tuning and especially with Good Living I think we we sat down and mixed together um but you would still again like done most of it Cause he's, he's kind of a, he's a, he's demon insane.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's like production copy of that album. I, I think I kind of like some lie or ridiculous statement where I was like, this album is not mixed, which is sort of true. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think our goal is always to like, not have a mixing session,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, like just like record in such a way where like, there is no. I don't know, sort of post process that is like very substantial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it's kind like, of it's all in mono. Both our albums are mono. Yeah, I love uh, that. That's so funny. Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's you know, like I didn't realize that until I would listened to them both multiple times, and then just read it when I was doing a little research for chatting with you. I was like, oh huh, yep. well, shit. Um, Well, that's one of the reasons that I really enjoy modular synthesis so much is it's, there's so many tools to like, you just, and a lot of times you're either recording a stereo pair or a couple stereo pairs. I try to multitrack as much as I can, but you know, now what modular has taught me, you know, going into like playing guitar or recording drums or anything is, is just get it as close to sounding good before you commit it to the tape or the digital tape because yeah like i don't i don't like to go crazy i i mean it's it's compression and eq that's that's the stuff that i'm like that's the stuff i nerd out about just like i'm just going to cut just tiny here you know like but yeah i try to do as little of that post as possible cuz i think cuz you can really get hung up in the post side of things i think like songs can get i mean from my experience songs can get away from me and i'm just kind of like i hated it when it started and now like I absolutely hate it and it was way better then and I don't know how I could get back to then and blah blah you know you can had a lot of things totally. fall by the wayside for that reason.
1: hmm
0: Um oh, what was it? I was gonna Lira I had another so so wait, so is it was it your guys' friendship that got you playing bass then?
1: Yes, yeah. So okay. Russell and I actually we met like it, it's it's such a cute story, and I love to tell it because it is, in my mind, a literal name, cute. So I um, was a music major in college. I studied voice, and um, uh, I was in a loose musical collective. I don't even want to call it a band, um, <laughs> with some fellow music majors, and we were just making like really terrible, like run-of-the-mill kind of like indie pop that was sort of in the zeitgeist of like 2008. And, or at least trying to, not even succeeding. And so we were in the basement of the music building one night and we were just sort of, um, I don't know, like goofing around. And I guess I had a bass in my hands or something just like, I don't know, not really playing, just noodling. And then um, this like tall, lanky, guy like pops his head into the window and then opens the door and says, are you in a band? Can I be in your band? And that was Caulfield. And I just, (laughs) I loved that he was just like, so like bold and enthusiastic at the same time and had such like an effervescent energy that also was like very confident. And um, so we became friends. Like, I think I made a pun about your name um, Mm. as I am want to do um <laughs> and uh yeah we became friends and traded music and then figured out that we both had like very similar tastes and essentially just splintered off and started doing our own thing and then um
2: started working really hard yeah
1: yeah yeah well
2: you guys so have we, like we five made, bands <laughs> uh, no we have way more than that way more we, than we, that. we have
1: it's not like 10
2: yeah it's 10 bands i think this wow.
1: is our 10th project together
2: yeah, I think that's right. Um,
0: well, that's something I wanted to go ahead, Caulfield. I don't want to interrupt this this thought tag on the story. No,
2: but. no, that's all. That's all that I was thinking. it a been so. A lot.
0: I <laughs> well, I went back and I listened to because you know, like that was such great news for me when I you know was doing a little research and I was like, oh, this band that I just you know just found and and really really enjoy. Um, they have like the same people have like a bunch of other bands so i I've, I've listened to um you know uh i'm going to get the names wrong because i tried so hard to remember them before this um god damn it there's mini mini dress mini dresses yeah mini yep. dresses um and then there's uh fuck the all right i have to look i'm sorry but i just i this is embarrassing, and I'm not going to yeah, edit this dang. out either because we don't remember this is what either. I did. Shit.
1: Well, we're just touched that we even looked them up. Uh,
0: yes. Uh, D parts, um, yeah, and mini dresses oh, yeah. are the two that I've uh, listened to, and what I found from those those projects, I feel like they're they're definitely not sweeping promises, and they're definitely different from each other. I can tell the same people are making it but i feel like sweeping promises is almost like the culmination like this like i don't know like because you have a little bit of like the 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 darker stuff and then a little bit more of the poppier stuff and like sweeping like uh, this this makes me like bring me to one of the questions i want to ask you and i don't know if you're going to be able to have an answer but did you did you guys like set out with the goal of sweeping promises to make it like let's make every song a banger and something like an earworm and just like an all out assault on your people's like pop whatever that part of your brain where you're just like gravitated to that that fucking hook because seriously like every song and I'm not just saying this like every song could be the like the single from all your, your albums
1: That's really, really kind of you to say, I think that maybe not, you know, in so many words, but more um, as like a guiding principle of let's, you know, take 20 minutes or less with every writing session to make something that we like that we feel is just um, like really pleasing to listen to that gets us going. And if we don't like it, and if it's taking too long, we're going to abandon ship and move on to the next idea.
2: Okay. It was it was right before COVID in 2020. We were recording that album, and when I look back on it, just quite simply for it's me, fall of
1: 2019.
2: Like, like that was um, an album where I had completely given up on music, and I, in the sense of like, this might be the last album we make, and um, I literally don't think anyone will listen to this. And I think you could hear it in the recording, like mm-hmm. that, the kind of level of just like utterly doing it for ourselves. I thought of it as a memento.
1: Yeah.
2: And I was going to leave, you know, uh, you know, and uh, that just made me emotional. I need my, I, I I, need my PhD. <clears throat> yeah. You know, and um, and our, you know, all of our bands were basically side jobs. Mm-hmm. Like that explains it. Like we needed second incomes. And mm-hmm. I've been doing that since I was 13. That, that was- it really
1: is how we supplemented ourselves in Boston <laughs> is is to gig because both of us, we were very career minded. I was a pastry chef, Caulfieldian was in academia, um, pursuing a PhD at Harvard, and we both felt kind of like ostracized in, from our respective um, careers for pursuing something in the eyes of our, you know, Uh, higher ups as something that's kind of frivolous. Especially as you get a
0: little older, you're perched like you're mid. I'm I'm assuming y'all are around the same age as me, just from the references and when, you know, in school and stuff. And um, I think, you know, something I've noticed, I'm sitting in, you know, my studio, which is a bedroom in the house that my wife and I have. And I'm surrounded by synths and guitars and I'm 39. And a lot of my family, you know, I still get. It. This is over five years I've been doing this show. Are you still doing like the radio? Are you like doing a ra- Never did radio. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's it's and then it's like you know I got to a point with this where I'm you know making not my full living, but it's a supplemental, like you like you said. Um, and then it people start maybe like remembering a more a little more or paying a little more attention or something, but yeah, it, it's like, it's, it's a weird thing to be like in your mid thirties. And I was in academia as well. I, I all, but thesis for a master's, but it was actually music that like music in a deteriorating, uh, grad department at, at my, uh, grad school. Um,
1: Can I, can I interrupt you yeah. and ask in, uh, what, um, capacity, because I almost pursued, uh, grad studies in musicology. So that's your
0: field. So I, uh, Uh, Undergrad, I did. I had. I have two bachelor's degrees. uh, One in anthropology and one in primate behavior and ecology. And the college that I went to, there were four chimpanzees who um, were, you know, knew sign language. Um, So I I got to interact with chimpanzees using sign language. Um, But I was mostly interested in the evolutionary side of things and the like. uh, you know, paleontological side of things. So I studied Eocene primate evolution in grad school, and I taught for my assistantship. I I taught the discussion sections of uh, a race biology and culture class. Um, that's basically like what we would call um, critical race theory now. This thing that everybody thinks is this new thing that's poisoning. The, it's like, no, like anthropologists have been talking about this for a while guys. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, I did some uh, work, uh, field work in Wyoming. I actually have a site named after me. I'm just going to go on a little, nice. little side because I think it's fucking hilarious. So we're out there in the middle of the Wyoming desert We're we're doing pedestrian survey. You line up 20 meters apart and you just walk, you shoot a bearing on a compass, you walk, you look at the ground, you find something. I have found this tiny little, just tiny little. uh, I think it was a like a rodent jaw or something. You know, little, little, little. Um, And so my the the night before we were we were camped in the desert for two weeks, and the night before we were drinking around the fire, and I was telling embarrassing stories of my childhood, and my my uh, graduate advisor, the leader of the team, (laughs) he was just cracking up about it the whole day, and he kept calling, he kept saying like, Timmy's confession last night. So we found this thing and he thought it was gonna be an isolate, which is where you just find one little thing and then it's not really a site, but okay, Mm -hmm. we have an isolate here. Cause that's kind of, that's typical. Mm -hmm. Um, So he called it Tim's confession. And about five minutes later, we walk around this corner. It turned out to be a site that had more fossils within the one site than all of the sites and isolates that he had been, that he had found in his work for the previous, I think, 12 to 14 years. Yeah. So it just got named after me. And then they did like a Scientific American uh, article about it. And so my name is in there only because I told embarrassing stories and happened to just find one little piece of thing on the ground. So I did, not, there was no skill. It was not, I, I can't take any real credit. It was just kind of like, yeah. So that's kind of funny. Uh,
1: That's Um, awesome. That is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So So, yeah, Tim's confession.
0: Right, the the uh, so the plan was to become a professor and do academic research. That was going to be the job. I didn't take summers off because I was just so I partied in high schools in metal band, and you know I was like, you know, because growing up where I grew up and in the world that I grew up, kind of going back to what we were just talking about with like your. Your colleagues in the non music world um I just I felt like I need to like grow up, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was good for me, but like, yeah, I just some bad breakups, you know, the department falling apart, probably like a little bit of alcoholism in my late twenties, like mm. I was just like, I can't do this anymore, so yeah, just started doing music since then um yeah, so what did
2: you what did you study at Harvard? I was like a, I don't know, like a art guy. I was on the okay. theory and criticism side. Okay. Um The the PhD is called visual environmental studies, but I taught a lot of like film and like okay. aesthetics, uh, some philosophy. Did talk? Um, did you ever teach about Tarkovsky? Did you ever use Tarkovsky as a reference? I taught Tarkovsky. Yes. Um, big time. So cool. uh, Love yeah, yeah. Tarkovsky. I, I would I would well, often teach like the big like. Uh, intro to film or like uh mm-hmm. you know like learn about world cinema or experimental cinema or like histories of the avant-garde to moving images um yeah and i would, and then i would teach them like specialized courses
1: ways of listening you should talk about ways of listening yeah oh, and I, cool. I, had
2: a, I had a a pet subfield called uh sound studies um well it wasn't mine just something i'm interested in and Did you get into like
0: uh, i um uh Pauline Olivero's work and stuff like that.
2: Big time. I taught some yeah. Pauline Oliveros, which by the way, I, I think that a lot of those um well her like sort of instructions and meditations for leading a creative life or or having creative ideas is uh multi-applicable not just to music. You for know, sure. I, I, yeah. Yeah, like the deep
0: listening that t- it's like a yeah. tiny book, but
2: yeah, totally. It's lovely. Um so I did teach it in the music department every now and then. Um, but it would be about like philosophy of listening, like that kind of stuff. I want to be like practical stuff. Are you familiar like, with well, Todd? practical in a way, but, uh, it's, it right. wasn't about yeah. like, uh, notating or performing. It was more yeah. about, um, thinking about listening or, or the materiality of sound and music.
0: That is so funny. Cause like, again, you know, getting into more experimental music and then getting into modular, like really brought me into like you know the extremes of you know getting it finding out about people like Wendy Carlos and Pauline Oliveros and mm-hmm. um there are two there are two things that i have gained from that that i think are just absolutely have have absolutely like <clears throat> permeated throughout my life and actually have made me be, be better at being a person who has to live with and around other people um and one of those things is the listening. Um, like I have a field recorder, I take it with me everywhere I go. I leave it recording overnight whenever I'm in the woods. Like I'm all, and so whenever I'm in a, any environment, I'm listening to the layers. How far away is that? What's making that sound? Where dirt you know? And it's it makes me more present, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the the patching things, like once I pull these chords out, this piece of music's gone. So I, it's almost like a like a Tibetan mandala or something. It's like one of those sand paintings. It's like you put all this time into it, and it's beautiful. But now it's time to sweep it away. And sure, you can record it. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you do. But there is a. It is a. It's a mini lesson in impermanence over and over and over again. You know. And I think that is extraordinarily valuable. Um, so yeah, that's that's my little spiel on that. Sorry, total. Totally went off left field here. But
2: no, I, I used to assign um, a lot of my, a lot of, I, I thought of my job as training filmmakers to kind of be better filmmakers, uh, you know, like yeah. oftentimes, like, or are, are training filmmakers to have um, a type of like uh, critical mindfulness. Mm. And yes, um, yes. Oh, that's a beautiful sandbox, way to put like, it. My favorite, favorite tools, right? Like, so like, um, oftentimes, like, filmmakers, think visually and um ignore sound matter you know Mm -hmm. like or that or or the sound is sort of a secondary or ancillary um, um or it's like too much in it like hey
0: back down man come on like
2: oh yeah yeah no totally like like explosion or like 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 have this like really kind of like obvious um sound centrism Yes. So, I hate, I, yeah, I, I would, I would I hate it when that leads the
0: witness. Like the sound and the score can lead the witness, where like I know exactly what's going to happen yeah. now. Like, and that's yeah, that bugs me. That will that'll make me turn a movie off.
2: But I would actually, it's really important to think about like like obvious causality and sound. Where like here's like connecting the source of the sound to the origin. It is like super obvious. I mean, um, it's there are like non cliched ways to to make soundscapes. Mm-hmm. and uh indirect and and um and more inspiring ways to make um sound links in your visuals but i would make students go on sound walks and do field recordings and that's how they learn that and, yeah. and weirdly um i think that you can apply a sort of cinematic mindset to a soundscape like how do you mm-hmm. make a soundscape that is like a scene mm-hmm. or um absolutely um, you know and i i think that uh I apply that thinking to our recording. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I was just going to say this, everything you're talking about right now, kind of like circles back to what we were talking about earlier, that thing that I noticed with your production. And, and I want to, I think like at the heart, maybe not at the heart of this, but like there's, there's a, there's a subtlety and a gentleness that, that I feel like you guys really really um can can apply that's how i feel like that's how you apply these concepts to garage post poppy rock stuff you know a, a, a place where yet yeah, like yeah there's some been some cool avant-garde post-punk stuff back in the day and, and i'm not seeing you guys like your way of doing it it, it that this all makes sense um and God damn it, Thank am you. I glad I asked you guys to come on the show. This is so cool.
1: <laughs> well, and I also appreciate that you are able to identify like a, a gentle and subtle touch in your words as you say it, because I feel like sometimes people hear the production and they think the opposite, that it's a like a barrage of unconsidered, uh, yeah. just lo-fi for the sake of lo-fi. I um, do not get that production. Production.
2: Yeah, I've Yeah. I've been, I've been
1: coming up against like this, this now.
2: I, I feel like I switched fields into indie rock and like legacy indie rock. We now mm-hmm. just do this band full time. We got side to sub pop. And I've been getting a lot more people and feedback kind of being like, why do you record this way? It sounds bad. And like this is not selling albums. Said like this is not the way like you use the studio. And it's like it's not up to spec or something. Or it's a shtick for this label. Or yeah, or just stick. It is so interesting to me. It's like well, we created a methodology, and it's its own product project. And it's like you also have to your think voice of the sound right? matter as a performance too. And yeah, I don't know.
0: I yeah. feel like that's it's, it's, I don't know. interesting to me. It's, yeah, I mean that's that's the one thing that's the downside of of success quote unquote, you know, like that's just going to, you know, as you get bigger that's going to, you know, increase which sucks, but um, I think also with that when you when you get to the level where you can exercise this gen, this gentle and subtle uh, uh, application of these kind of more experimental ideas, if you're not heavy handed with those, that means you get them In my opinion, to some degree, to where they're kind of a part of you and them's the breaks, I guess is what I would say to those people who are like, why do you do it? Because if you guys did this, if you made the Sweeping Promises albums, if you took those and retracked them and made them like as pristine studio records as you could, I would have heard them. I would have been like, those are catchy songs, but I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have been drawn in. Because that to me shows like some, ori- not originality. I don't want to like, I don't, but it's your voice. That's part of your voice. Not just Lyra's actual voice, not just your guitar playing, which I haven't got to yet, which I'm so into. Um, also Lyra, we were, we were kind of nerding out a lot about movies and listening and stuff and we're approaching an hour already. And I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface with y'all, but I have to say this is so simple, but the <clears throat> throw, 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 like on throw the dice, the way that like stacked throw on like the, I guess the bridge into the last course or whatever, whew, chills every That was time. a wild like, idea. Oh really? It's so, I mean, just the way it's executed I and the way it, was, it sounds yeah. is just like, uh, I mean, and you can sing so beautifully and you can also growl and you have such a good way again of restraint and, and subtlety of being able to, to weave in and out of there where again, it does not sound, oh, this is a rock song or whatever, you know, like, I don't feel like there's any, like, this is, you're not trying to be anything but what you guys are on the record. That's the sense that I get. and. I guess i'm I'm sorry, I've been gushing about this for like fifty five minutes, but also not sorry
1: well we really appreciate that. that's so that's so kind of you. um especially with that record it just was it took it took a lot out of us, Holy so shit. we're very very happy to be on this side I of that, yeah, being able to talk to to you know other like musicians and and people who appreciate i don't know just what it takes to to make music, especially today
0: it's it's so hard it's so hard to cut through the noise and again i think this is i said i'd stop gushing but this just kind of goes back to the, like what i think really drew me in is because you have so many options or so many people and everybody can record anywhere if they have a laptop and a battery you know like you can just do anything anywhere so it's it's really hard as a musician to try to stand out and convince people that you are worth their time. Um, and it's really hard for a listener to find these new things. And I feel like something like your guys' approach with the production and just how, you know, just how the music is, short and sweet, heavy hitter songs, um you've 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 eliminated a lot of the the work for me because within a few seconds of the songs I'm like all right, I'm going to give this. All right. Okay. 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 You know, like, so <clears throat> yeah. Great, great work. Um, can I borrow some of that? Whatever it is that you guys throw on there.
2: <laughs> of course. Well, you can um, do it. Yeah. If we could do it.
1: Yeah. If we, if we anyway. can do it, if we can do it. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're like, yeah, just like feral children. We're like cave people. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> it was funny when I was first listening to, I was like, I was like, well, I want to see some um, live performances on YouTube. I want to see, like, what's their setup like? Because even though – I and then I saw it and then remembered, like, after seeing you guys actually playing in, like, an in-studio or something, I'm like, I guess there aren't really, like, synths and samples and stuff. But, like, again, with just the production, I was kind of like, all right, do they have some backing tracks? Because I know it's two of you guys and there's drums. and, But no, you're just a three-piece – the drummer straight up fucking rock band and you pull the songs like they sound fucking great live too and I feel like they're a little bit of a different beast there because there's not as much of the backing vocals and that's always something I wonder with singers you know if if I hear like a lot of cool backing vocals I'm like well what are they going to do live you perfectly like fill the gaps where those would have been in the record and everything like I don't know. You guys have you guys have something special and I anticipate you guys blowing up, honestly. Like I, I I I hope you do to the to the level that you're comfortable with, but I could see you guys being like you sound like the new cool shit to me, but I'm also thirty-nine, so that might be a bad thing for me to say that to
2: you. Yeah,
1: words. oh no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. yeah. We uh we hope so because Um. This is, yeah, our money now.
1: (laughs) uh, Yeah. Well, and unfortunately. (laughs) Well, but and also, yeah, it is. It is what we what we never thought we would be able to do, and we're you know still like barely making it. But I mean, not that you know money is the end all be all of like any artistic pursuit. But you have
0: to live, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But if, if that means that we're able to be creative, then we're extremely grateful for that. And we'll, you know, we're, that's, yeah, we, we, we never in a, in a million years thought that we would be able to make music our living. So we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. do our best <laughs> as long as we can.
0: More well, albums to come. Um, I can't wait. Yeah. Are you, I mean, are you guys tracking or writing or anything right now or just focusing on touring?
2: Every
1: day, we're yeah day. we're tracking. Yes. We we have well, it's funny because we tracked um, most of a new sweeping promises record, and then we decided to kind of like change some things up in our recording methods. And we also acquired for both sweeping promises and other projects to be, you know, named at a later date. Um, speaking of um, like synthesizers and, and like really cool kind of electronic gear. Uh Caulfield did a lot of research, and he convinced me of getting a, a Soma Pulsar drum machine. <laughs> yeah, those are which cool. is so cool.
2: Those are so cool. We're pairing yeah. that with like our Lindrum.
1: Yeah, we borrowed a Lindrum. Yeah. Oh, nice. Of, yeah, a friend of ours, and nice. yeah, it's it's really cool.
0: Right on. Well, um, yeah, if you ever wanna wanna chat electronic gear, I've talked to a lot of people. I know a lot of stuff about it. Not a lot of stuff about how it works, but I know a lot of what's out there. So if you're ever like, I'm looking for this or that, send me a message. I might know what that thing is. Maybe. Ooh, yeah.
1: That's good to know. Um, and um, it would just be a good reason to,
0: to chat. What's that?
1: Yeah. I said, because if you're based in Washington, then that means like, yeah, it's just an excuse to go and look at gear and Oh and man, talk. we have
0: Patchworks in Seattle, which is a beautiful store uh, showroom with all sorts of amazing stuff and then control voltage in Portland is a great store. Um yeah, oh, yeah like and, this, that's this is part. what
1: we need to know because because yeah. we really love um switched on in Austin because oh yeah in Austin, so
0: one of my first re- before I even released any episodes, one of my first um recordings was with uh Chad from from uh switched on because I went down there for a wedding. It was really cool.
2: What is what is Chad's group?
0: I don't know what his group's called it. It's been years since I don't even know if he had a group or if he was just doing Chad Allen. Um, I don't he think do he's maybe was he in thousand foot whale claw? I don't know. I know. Uh, maybe, Ghost but I don't, best. I'm not sure. There were, there this were a lot, cool, yeah, in, um, a lot of cool. Yeah. And a lot of cool musicians like in and around switched on when I was around. Yes. Then. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're at an hour. We're over an hour, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time, so I want to give you the last little bit to uh, scream anything you'd like from the modular mountaintops. You can promote
2: stuff. It could be a proclamation,
0: uh, whatever you'd like.
2: Uh, Our album is called Good Living is Coming for You. uh, It's a split release between Feel It in the United States and Sub Pop um, Abroad. And
1: we're going out on tour, um, this Friday for our first ever UK EU jaunt, Whoa, which we're really nice. excited about.
2: And, uh, this, this train's not stopping. Uh, there'll be more shows and, um, and more albums soon. Hell yeah. Well, thank you
0: guys so much. I'll put all the links to all the stuff in the show notes and whatnot. All right. That's our show. Thank you so much to sweeping promises for coming on. Please go check out their music if you haven't already. So, so good. Um, thank you to Patchworks, Novation, After Later Audio, and 4ms for their continued support of Podular Modcast. And if you would like to support podular Modcast, you can head over to the uh website, podularmodcast.com for forward slash podularmodcast.com forward slash store and get yourself I mean, it's getting cold. You need we need beanies. Um or you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Don't forget, I'm going to be doing some giveaway action very soon on a first-come, first-served basis on the Patreon. So if you want to be in on that, then, then, then do the thing that you're supposed to do when you do the thing. Um, this week's secret word is whale tail. Thanks for watching.